You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Cindy Johnson, Secretary for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. Today is October 29th, 2023, and this is episode 249 of Lighthearted. Happy almost Halloween. Happy almost Halloween and Dia de los Muertos. Well, thank you. Gracias. <laughs> uh, we are in, of course, the Bluefish Boulevard recording studios, and we're actually mm-hmm. surrounded by my wife Charlotte's Dia de los Muertos uh, collection here, yep. little Mexican figurines and Always. stuff. She's been collecting them a long time. It's almost like a museum here. So. <laughs> I like it, too. So uh, on to today's episode. And today, uh, it's kind of unusual. We're uh, simply going to be talking about visiting lighthouses and everything that makes that so enjoyable. We have two interesting interviews coming up. First, we need to take care of some very important business. Yes, we do. We want to send a special wish to one of our faithful listeners. November 4th will be the 11th birthday of a big fan of lighthouses. So happy birthday, Guinevere. Yeah, happy birthday, Gwyn. Her mom tells me they live in Kentucky, and Gwyn has seen about 15 lighthouses from Virginia to Florida. Her first lighthouse was Ocracoke in North Carolina, which uh, Charlotte and I just visited a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. She has uh, been to some of my favorite lighthouses like Ponce Inlet in St. Augustine in Florida, Tybee Island and St. Simons Island in Georgia. Uh, Her mom says they are planning to visit Michigan and New England next year. Well, maybe if Gwen and her mom come to New England next year, we can give them a tour of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse right here in New Hampshire. Yeah, I hope so. If the uh, footbridge out to the lighthouse gets rebuilt by next year, that's that in the works. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I hear it's happening very soon. So we can hope. Good. Uh, so, uh, of course, there's just one more thing we need to say to Gwen. Of course. Uh, keep a good light, Gwen. Very good. So is there anything else you'd like to add about late October by any chance, Cindy? Well, yes. My mom's 80th birthday was on the 25th. So happy happy belated belated birthday, birthday, Debbie. Debbie. (laughs) Slash mom. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. All right. Now that we've taken care of all that important business, Mm -hmm. let's get to our first interview. So help me out, Cindy. Sure, Jeremy. The guests in the first interview today are Anne Fox and her daughter Val. Along with Anne's husband and another younger daughter, the family has been sailing from their home port in Stamford, Connecticut, on a mission to photograph all the lighthouses in Long Island Sound. Anne is originally from Ukraine and has been in the U.S. for 11 years. Her daughter Val was born three years before they left Ukraine. In addition to their sailing adventures in Long Island Sound, The family has traveled widely in New York State and elsewhere, and they have a website detailing their travels. Yes, the website is aswegoplaces.com. They also have an Instagram account at as underscore we go places and a TikTok account, which is at as we go places. Yeah. You know, this conversation was was really a lot of fun, uh, and I think uh, people are going to enjoy hearing it. So let's listen to my conversation with Ann and Val now. I am speaking with uh, Anne Fox and her daughter, Val. And uh, first of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast, both of you. I really appreciate it. 
Thank you for having us. Thank you. So, Anne, you contacted me, uh, I think it must be a few weeks ago now, about a family project. You sail uh, as a family. You do a lot of sailing, and you've uh, been sailing to see all the lighthouses in Long Island Sound. I've been discovering that your family website, which is aswegoplaces.com, is really quite extensive, and you've done a, a lot of traveling, even uh, beyond the the lighthouses and so forth. So it's great to see that. We'll talk a little bit about that, too. Also, something I've learned lately is that you're from Ukraine. Is that correct? Originally, yes. It's mm-hmm. been 11 years since, since we came to the United States, but yep, originally, and that's where my daughter was born as well, so... And you live in Stamford, Connecticut now, is that right? Uh, that's where our sailboat is. Uh, we are in upstate New York. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. We, when, we tr- when we bought the sailboat, we wanted to just keep it on Hudson. But the first year we realized that not much to do here. So we moved her to Long Island Sound and that's when all the fun started. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, when we came to the United States, we got traveling and that's when we started seeing all those lighthouses in Maine, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, California. So yeah, it's it has always been our interest, but we've never been able to actually explore them from the sea independently from any cruises or anything like that. So definitely uh, the passion started with our sailboat. Yeah, I can understand that. When did that start and what prompted you to start it? Well, to, to start from the beginning, we got the sailboat in 2020. That was our covid purchase <laughs> the time when we buy when we have, have crazy decisions <laughs> so that's when we bought the sailboat with no sailing experience whatsoever except for my husband got some uh, lessons in sailing uh, nearby but with no wind because we don't get so much wind here uh, so we got the, uh, the sailboat and next year we decided to move it to Long Island Sound and I I was wondering what could prompt us what what's the incentive to sail more like we needed we needed goals we needed to see something new not just islands and beaches something really like with history and that's when we realized how many lighthouses there are on uh, Long Island Sound and that became like after we saw maybe a couple of them I decided hey we need to see all of them we need to sail to all of them and that's a great goal for us to sail more and explore more so somehow Mm -hmm. that's that's how the idea was born. So how many have you seen? How many of the lighthouses on Long Island Sound have you seen? We have seen 23, and that's mm-hmm. just Long Island Sound. So I don't count the Atlantic Ocean or anything beyond that. So that's just Long Island or Hudson as well. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Oh, okay. So just Long Island Sound. We saw 23. We've documented 22 of them. And I think we have a few more. My Our goal is to see Montauk lighthouse but yeah. i'm not sure if it if it counts as long island sound really i think oh, it, it, well it's right at the the entrance basically yeah, it's, it's yeah. basically on the edge but we we haven't seen that all from the from the sea we've seen it we've traveled to it but never saw it from the sea yeah oh it's one of the great ones in fire island too have you gone to that on on land of fire island go mm-hmm. to that but not sailed exactly exactly okay. Yeah. So I'm not yeah. counting those that we did not sail to because that wouldn't that wouldn't be like the goal of sailing. 
<laughs> yeah. Now, if I could ask you, Val, you, I think you were involved in putting together the web page for the Lighthouse Visits. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of the, like photographs and, you know, just in general. I've got it open in front of me right now. The, are the photographs, are those your photographs on there? Well, some yeah. of them, yes. We have a camera mm-hmm. and I take some of them. Mm-hmm. Or some of them are from iPhone too. Uh-huh. It's a really nicely done page, web page. Uh, very organized. And uh, I recommend that people check it out. So uh, I mentioned it before, but the website, again, is aswegoplaces.com. And then uh, you can navigate. It's like sort of like a blog, right? There are various entries on your travels and the Lighthouse page, Long Island Sound Lighthouses, is, is one of them. Very easy to find. Val, were you involved in the, the, all the other uh, pages on the site as well, putting those together? Um, a little bit, yeah. Is that is something you enjoy, working on a website like that? Uh, yeah, especially with my mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a great family project. I, I think the whole, every aspect of it, the travels the, to various places, including the lighthouses and putting the website together. What a, what a nice family activity. And it's uh, not just the two of you. It's your husband and uh, other children as we well. Have, we, have, we have a little one. She's uh, seven years old, so she's not as much involved. She's just tolerating all of our trips. <laughs> mm-hmm doing her best and my husband is responsible for driving us everywhere <laughs> while, <laughs> while I'm working on planning uh, the, the trip. <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. A lot, yep. of, a lot of driving on, on these trips. <laughs> so uh, let me ask both of you of the lighthouses you've seen, and we'll just, just talk about Long Island Sound uh, for now, but uh, do you have any favorites among those lighthouses? Do you have a favorite? Um, yeah, the Great Captain um, Lighthouse. It's pretty close. It's around like a 40-minute oh, yes. sail. Yeah, and just enjoy going there. It's like very familiar. Uh-huh. People can't see it because we're on a podcast. They're not. We're, we're speaking on Zoom right now. And from my background, I put Great Captain Island Lighthouse up behind me. So I must have been, uh, somehow known you know, like intuitively that that was your favorite, favorite one. It's a beautiful it's, place. It's close to Stanford, so it's mm-hmm. like... Uh, close to an hour of sailing there and that's the first lighthouse where we dropped the anchor yeah and we val and i swam to to it uh, from the sailboat and it's just gorgeous mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. the first experience i guess that's why it's so nice to remember it mm-hmm. and that's why it's in our hearts <laughs> It's really a nice place, and uh, the light. I first visited there when the lighthouse was in very rough shape, and now it's it's nicely, it's in good shape now. That the, the uh, town of Greenwich does a, a good job of it, and there's a 9/11 memorial right by the lighthouse as well, which is is yep. nice. We we uh, we sa- we swam to it once, and also we took dinghy and uh, uh, walked around the island. That's the beauty yeah. of having a sailboat and being able to mm-hmm. anchor next to all those sail, uh, all those lighthouses because usually uh, all the lighthouse keepers or workers are very uh, friendly when they see people just uh, coming from a sailboat and asking for water or something like that. They are always very welcoming, and that's that's what we have been doing. Any of the others that, that spring to mind? We like Sands Point Lighthouse too because mm-hmm. it's in the place um, that inspired like East Egg and Great Gatsby, and that's one of like my favorite books. So I think it's great to see all the houses there and then have that lighthouse there too. It's very beautiful. 
wasn't the the site of where Sands Point Lighthouse was and the mansion next to it wasn't it owned by William Randolph Hearst for a while? Am I rem remembering that right? We know that the Great Gatsby book was inspired by this whole harbor. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we sailed there and we're trying to imagine how that he would see the green light um, at the other side of the harbor. So it's it's a great place to be. And we love Port Washington as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. that's what we usually stay at with our sailboat. But yeah, that's that's a very great place to sail to. You cannot approach it from the ground easily. But... Right. Well, Sands Point, I think, is in a very private residential area. They don't want they don't let people in there. You cannot get close to it unless you are seeing it from water. The lighthouse where you have your sailboat, where it's based, is uh, Stamford Harbor. That's not exactly the most attractive lighthouse these days. Um, it is not, but we still love it. We yeah. In it, we have seen it in the uh, sunrise, sunset, uh, bad weather, uh, cloudy weather, in all its uh, glory. <laughs> mm -hmm. So we got to really love it as well. And it's our first uh, lighthouse uh, as well. And we anchored next to it just a few weekends ago. Mm -hmm. So we, we still love it. It does well, need renovation, <laughs> I know. Uh, but it's it's very pretty all the same. So. Yeah, well, I'm glad you feel that way. They all have their own their own stories to tell and their own their own beauty in their own way, for sure. Uh, so, just maybe just a little bit more about your other travels. How how widely have you traveled on your sailboat? So the most we did on on her still has been our trip from um, Port Jefferson up to Albany. Mm -hmm. So we did all the way uh, around the Manhattan. Uh, up Hudson River and it took us about four days mm -hmm. and it was our very first trip so just when we bought her we didn't have much time uh, because Val needed to go to school mm -hmm. uh, so it was like late August or early September mm -hmm. so we had to make it I didn't have any guidance or anything like that so it was uh, our first trip ever <laughs> with much not much experience so not much fear as well i'm i'm have more fear now than i had then because <laughs> i know much more yeah. <laughs> but yeah with the with a uh, toddler and a little cat a kitten <laughs> so it was like a crazy trip but um that's that's still the, the the most we did on on the on that sailboat uh, in a row, so in, in one trip. Mm -hmm. The other trip that we also did was to Mystique. It was magical. We were able to stay at a marina that's also the museum, the mari uh, the marina, the Mystic Seaport. Yeah, the seaport. Mm -hmm. So we stayed two nights there. We were able to see all the um, ships and boats mm -hmm. uh, at night. And it's just when you're staying um, at a sailboat in the museum overnight, it's just, uh, I highly recommend that experience as well. So that was another pretty long trip, but not as much as the first one we took. Mm -hmm. So do you share the the skipper duties, the captain duties with your husband or how do, how does that work? She does. Yeah. Val does. Val, are you the are you the captain, Val? She yeah. is she's the skipper. Yeah. I'm I'm responsible for making everyone uh, fed. <laughs> so for food and I'm cleaning as well, mm -hmm. but yeah. Val Val is uh, helping with the sales and she's also at the wheel all the time. So she's the one uh, who is who is much more much better at sailing than I am. So you, I guess, you love sailing, Val, right? Yes, I do. 
Well, that's great. What uh, do you think you'll do? You see yourself doing a, a lot of sailing in your future? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, especially over the summers, I'm really on our sailboat all the time. Uh -huh. so I kind of have no choice. And then <laughs> um, when I grow up, I wouldn't want to like forget um, sailing and that experience. So I'll continue doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like you're going to forget. I think you're going to be doing it all, all your life for sure. You have traveled widely beyond the sailing you just talked about, but I wonder if you could just mention one or two places maybe in this country or elsewhere that are like your favorite places you've ever seen. Oh, that's so tough. Um, which one is yours? Well, we only spent one day there um, on like a transfer flight, but I really like the San Miguel Island we were flying back from like Portugal like this past summer and we transferred flights there um and we were there for like the day and the weather was really nice it was like foggy um and a little rainy too and that would be a really nice place to like sail as well if we were ever doing like a big um transatlantic trip we spent about five days in Lisbon and then uh -huh. we back to New York and we had to do um to change the planes and I I did my best to find the best place to for layover and ended up with those islands in the middle of Atlantic Ocean and they are just magical they are tiny they are very volcanic so you, you get to see all the craters and all the uh volcanic uh, seaside all of that and it's just very great place so mm -hmm. we are we were very excited that we could we were able to see it so do you consider yourselves lighthouse nuts now at this point and i i use that term affectionately because i'm a lighthouse nut too <laughs> absolutely i wish i had time to document more lighthouses beyond long island sound because we've seen a lot we've mm -hmm. done we've done quite a few uh, lighthouse cruises in california in maine in florida and we're also going back to uh, biscayne national park is that in florida Mm -hmm. Yes, and they have quite a few lighthouses there as well, and we'll make sure to see most of them. So I, I we've seen a lot, but the, the thing is that unless you document them, you forget very, you remember the experience, but not the name or the history behind the place. So I, I'm my goal is to document more of our lighthouse journeys than I, we are currently doing. So mm -hmm. probably this summer or winter. Mm -hmm. I'm just imagining uh, maybe uh, a book in your future that your family could could put out a book on sailing to see oh America's God. lighthouses. That's that's the goal. <laughs> the really? Is it really? Oh, I love writing and that's yeah. what I'm doing for a living. So I would love to to put together a book. It's just you, you get so many hours a day. Like it's for me, I don't we don't even unpack anymore because <laughs> we don't have time. We just unpack and pack at the same day. So that's at the same time and yeah. uh, fitting in documenting into that schedule and also with two kids going to school us to full-time working all of that so but definitely as soon as we have time we'll start planning a book or something like that and i'll make sure we have notes and some records before that <laughs> i hope so i'm, I'm looking for i want to sign copy as soon as you get that done <laughs> looking forward to that yes. so uh i just have one final question for both of you okay and this one's for bonus points all right. And that question is, what has been your favorite thing about your project to sail to see the lighthouses of Long Island Sound? 
For me, I think it's the variety. Like you don't um, think of how different lighthouses can be. And then you have all the pictures in one place and all the names. Um, you look back on it and you see that they're all have um, completely different in like their style that they were built because of the time period and the location. And then also the things that we did there. So there's a lot of variety um, that you can have from this experience. I think what Val mentioned, the best thing with that for us was that every trip is an adventure. So it's not just seeing several lighthouses in one uh, trip. It's just every lighthouse would do something there. So we, we either spend the night on anchor or we fish or we swim or we do something like uh, something similar to, to that. And it's all different. Sometimes we meet a sunset with the lighthouse. Sometimes we board on that island and walk around. Sometimes we get to know people like it was that Sheffield Island uh, lighthouse house we just landed on it and it's actually also private property but we went ahead and asked them if we could just explore and they were so welcoming and they just showed us around and it's always like even meeting those people is also a mm -hmm. different kind of adventure so every lighthouse for us is a different memory with some kind of uh, absolutely unique adventure so I think that's that's the best thing about this project. I love what both of you said. And, you know, I think that's why so many of us love lighthouses in general. It is an adventure. Every time you go to see a new lighthouse, it's a new adventure. And you don't know, it might be the people you meet. It might be the spe spectacular location or the history behind it. But it's all an adventure. So I, I just love hearing about this so much. Anne and Val, uh, I hope we can stay in touch. And uh, I want to find out more about your travels in the future. And I'm really looking forward to that book. You've got to do that. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for spending time with me today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for having us. A reminder that you can see photos and read more about the family's travels at aswegoplaces.com. Their social media links are also on the site. You know, doing this interview got me thinking about why I love lighthouses so much. Of course, sure, I find the history fascinating, but after all these years, uh, it still feels like a special adventure every time I visit a new lighthouse, or even when I return to the ones I've visited many times. So this really gets to the basics of why visiting lighthouses is such a great hobby. <laughs> One of my favorites. Oh, me too. So let's go to our second interview for today. Josh Liller is the historian and collections manager at Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse and Museum in Florida. Josh is the co-author of the book 5,000 Years on the Loxahatchee and author of the book The Florida Lighthouse Trail. He's written many articles on lighthouse history for the U.S. Lighthouse Society's journal The Keeper's Log and other publications. He also lectures on history topics, including the Civil War. Yeah, I first met Josh a few years ago when I interviewed him at Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse in Florida. He was a great host when I visited. Last month, Josh made his first ever trip up the coast to New England to see some of our lighthouses. I spent a day with him around our home city here at Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and then he headed up the coast of Maine. Uh, Josh is a historian who has a great curiosity about the history of these places and a tremendous eye for detail. I loved hearing his observations on this trip. So let's listen to my conversation with Josh Liller now. I'm talking this afternoon with my friend Josh Liller, who is in Florida, who is the historian for the uh, Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse. And I just saw Josh recently because, uh, Josh, you were up here in my neck of the woods 
just a few weeks ago. Today, I'd, I'd love to talk about your experience of Maine. And also, of course, you saw the New Hampshire seacoast as well. So anyway, thanks for doing this today, Josh. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And it was my first time in my entire life ever to get up to New England and to see Maine. I'd heard so much about it. And I'm wonderful as a big fan of lighthouses. Uh, to me, Maine has some of the best ones. It certainly has some of the oldest ones. New England in general has the oldest ones in the country. So let's talk about what you saw and what your impressions were. So let's see, you flew into Boston, right? Flew into Boston. Uh, my impressions there are that the traffic is nightmarish. <laughs> yes. I, <laughs> I would I agree. compare it to a bad day in Atlanta or Miami. <laughs> yeah. With streets that are more hair-raising because they're so much older and were originally built with a lot, probably a lot less traffic. So then where'd you go from Boston? I went up to the, the Portsmouth area and saw you the next day. Mm-hmm. And we had a, a fun day doing stuff in the Portsmouth area together. Um, I took you to see Portsmouth Harbor Light, but that's th- that's not at its best right now. It's not its most accessible because our walkway was, our footbridge out to the lighthouse was washed away in December and hasn't been rebuilt yet. But at least you got to see it. Yeah, and I'll definitely have to come back and actually get the climate. Um, Portsmouth Harbor was really neat to just be able to see the Harbor Light and Whaleback and Wood Island Life Saving Station from so many different angles around the harbor. Yeah, there's a lot of history around here. And uh, let's see, we we uh, did some other things that day. It was a hot day. Yeah, uh, well, unseasonably warm today for you and unseasonably warm a month ago for you. At least yeah. I didn't bring any Florida weather with me this time. <laughs> right. But yeah, it probably didn't seem all that hot to you being uh, living in Florida, but to us that was... Uh, it's pretty warm for September and kind of humid. And one of the things we did that day is we went to the submarine albacore. That's now on dry ground. Uh, one of the the many, many submarines built at the Portsmouth Naval Shipyard. It's from the early 1950s. It's open to the public. We were the only ones there at the time we were there late that afternoon. It was kind of understandable because it was really hot. And to go in a submarine on a hot day uh, is interesting. And uh, you you stuck it out longer than I did. I had to get out of there and get some air after a while. Yeah, but the, the temperature and just watching the head and not tripping or hitting my head on anything is tricky because I'm a pretty tall guy. Yeah, well, I'm not a really tall guy, but I smacked my head pretty good going on, on the submarine. I was almost seeing stars for a few minutes there. But uh, that must have been uh, interesting for you, certainly. To, to yeah, that was a neat little bit of history. I, I've only been to maybe like two other submarines before that I can actually go inside. Uh, so that was really neat to just kind of go in there and kind of see how it's laid out. Some of those bunks, I don't know how people how people manage on there. Uh, yeah. as, as for uh, you know the fact that nobody else was there, I think everybody else was at the beach. Either that or home and air conditioning. But yeah, those bunks are unbelievable. There's pipes right over the top bunks in some cases where if you you'd have to sleep on your back, and if you raised your head at all with it, you know without sort of sliding out, you'd smack your head on the pipes. So we went to a couple of forts also. We saw Fort Foster and Fort McClary, both of which have beautiful views. Yeah, Fort McClary was pretty neat just to see that colonial blockhouse kind of style of the fort. It was a shame to see so many forts around the Portsmouth Harbor area in such state of disrepair that they're, you know, so so abandoned. And I think just the the maintenance costs because these Endicott era concrete fortifications are so many places what they've you know, in many cases, been abandoned since World War II, and they don't have the um, 
I think the visual appeal that a, a lot of the, the masonry forts have to people, and a lot of times they never really fired at anybody uh, in a war, so they just kind of fall by the wayside, and, and people don't don't have the love and interest to them. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, you're right. Um, I don't want to speak ill of my home state here, New Hampshire, but uh, you mentioned Fort McClary. That is a main state park, and that's maintained pretty well. But yeah, the local forts here, uh, Fort Constitution, which has tremendous history, uh, and Fort Stark down the road from there, they're in pretty sad shape. So hopefully something will be happening with with those. After uh, you left Portsmouth, you headed up the coast. What was your next stop? Uh, my first stop the next morning was Cape Netic at Nubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the that was one of the one of the best moments of the trip is the way that the park there on the headland is a little higher than the, the town right behind it. And then the island is a little higher than the park itself. So when I first drove into the park, seeing the lighthouse, which is not that big, but it creates this kind of uh, Lord of the Rings effect of magnifying <laughs> the height that just looms over the horizon. And that, especially first thing in the morning with a kind of a low sun, but a little foggy background really was a mm-hmm. picturesque moment. I know exactly what you mean. I can picture that uh, easily. I've driven in there so many times. It's always special driving in there the way the, like you said, the island and lighthouse kind of loom in front of you, even though it's a a small lighthouse, it's uh, the lights over 80 feet above. Well, it's about 80 feet above the water, I believe. It's on a rugged, rugged little island, rocky island. Anyway, so you went to the Nubble, and of course, uh, a lot of listeners, I'm sure, know you, you view it across the water a couple of hundred feet, and it's... uh, it's tantalizing. You can't quite get there. And I, a lot of people think that's kind of part of its appeal. It's got sort of a mystery to it. You can gaze at it from across that that ch- narrow channel, but hardly anybody actually gets on the island. It, it's a great example of, uh, you know, so close yet so far. So where did you go next? After seeing uh, just a, kind of a few brief stops along the way at you know, various little monuments and oddities and uh, historic homes just to kind of sightsee from the road. I stopped into uh, near Cape Elizabeth and the good view of the twin lights there on the waterfront and then drove over into the neighborhood for a slightly closer look, but uh, not without trespassing anybody's yard. Yeah, you got to be careful. You're going to make it pretty quick if you drive in there. The view of the lighthouses was nice, but then also just the standing on the point there, the, the basalt rocks were just a unique little piece of geology on that particular spot, especially the way they they start crumbling. And it puts me in the mind of, you know, this gigantic tree that had fallen over and all the bark is crumbling to dust. Yeah. Did you go to the Two Lights Lobster Shack? <laughs> I did not. It wasn't open for lunch yet. I went down, I went down and got lunch in town in South Portland and then went over to Bug Light. I saw the, saw the little historical uh, society museum there which it was free so certainly certainly worth for a short little visit yeah uh, saw the bug light the the harbor was busy with a lot of sailboats and other boats passing around that's another one there with the the portland harbor scene you can look at the from one lighthouse and see the other lighthouses and then you've got the forts across to the other side um on the island and you yeah. know it's, it's neat to see kind of go from one look at the other and then go to that one look back where you've been that's a great area, and you got Spring Point Ledge Light almost next door to uh, Bug Light, which is actually Portland Breakwater Light, but everybody calls it Bug Light. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I saw the uh, the Liberty Ship Monument, so that was interesting to see just how much I didn't really. I knew 
there had been a lot of Liberty ships. I didn't know they were specifically so many of them had been built right there. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a tremendous history. I, at the top of my head, I'm trying to remember. I think it was over 250 Liberty ships built there during the war. And the um, big, the big you know, model of it to help put a little scale into it. Yeah. And to be standing there, you know, in the park that used to be the berths where they were building them. Yeah. Uh, and then I did go down to the Spring Point Ledge lighthouse and walk out on that breakwater. Um, the water was cooperative, but uh, walk, you know, it's, it's not an easy walk out there. No. Boulders are a little uneven, fortunately fairly dry though. And uh, as someone who lives in South Florida, uh, walking on granite uh, is, that, those are some hard rocks to walk on. And my feet at the end of it, are like, what are you doing to us? Yeah. Yeah, it is tricky. And again, I used to bring tours to that area. And after a while, I stopped bringing them out on there. I won't go into details, but there are a couple of incidents. So I always warn people, if you go there, take your time, watch every step you take, because uh, it's easy to be looking at something else as you take a wrong step on those those uneven stones. Yeah, um, and, and you know, it was neat to see a, a caisson lighthouse up close like that for the first time. Sad to see that some people occasionally vandalize the caisson. But... Yeah, yeah, it's... it's uh, it's the only uh, caisson, you know, so-called spark plug type lighthouse that I know of that you can walk to. It was offshore when it was built, but then they built the breakwater out to it in the 19, early 1950s. So that makes it pretty unique. And so while you were in that area, you also went to Portland Headlight, of course, right? I went down the Portland Headlight House. I've seen it in the walls of a million red lobsters and had to see it in person. And so that was that was great to visit you know, such a, a historic and unique lighthouse Um I was gonna, one of the things that fascinated me about the exhibit is that they have the second order lens on display mm-hmm. with only half of it. Yeah, I think I think some of it was damaged. Um, you know, it was moved around quite a bit and and storage, and I think some of it may have been lost. Uh, you know, and to, lost to damage somewhere yeah. along the way. At least some yeah. something was saved, which is better than nothing. But uh, that's a pretty special place. You probably walked along the fence and got that iconic view looking over at the lighthouse and keeper's house that the one you see on the like red lobsters and all the postcards and everything else. Yeah. So on this trip, you actually visited what I think are the two, possibly the two most visited. If you consider visiting Noble, you don't quite get to it. But uh, the two most visited and photographed lighthouses in the world, I think. Portland Head with about 1.2 million visitors a year. Noble with about half a million. Although I think Cape Hatteras is right in that same neighborhood too. So they're probably neck and neck for second. But I don't know of any others that get those kind of numbers. Yeah, probably not. Uh, And certainly the day I was there, it was a Friday afternoon and the the park was hopping. It It was quite busy. Yeah. There's often tour ships, I mean, cruise ships, cruise ships in Portland Harbor this time of year in the fall, uh, doing New England cruises, uh, especially actually a little bit later, seeing foliage and stuff. You weren't there. You were a little early for fall foliage. I did get to see one of the cruise ships coming in, and I got a photo of the cruise ship coming in with Ram Island Ledge Lighthouse in the background. Oh, cool. Uh, I have to get that. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Um, so what else did you do? You were you were actually uh, in Maine for Maine Open Lighthouse Day, of course. Right. Right? Uh, well, and then so we I, we mentioned that I was kind of a little warm and muggy the first couple of days I was up there, and then as I get done seeing the lighthouse, I was going to explore a little bit more of the park and the old fort there. And I look up into the sky, and the sky is turning like absolutely like pitch black, Ugh. and it's two hours before sunset, and I'm like. 
Um, am I back in Florida again? And it was indeed, you know, this massive thunderstorm rolling through. Uh, and there was a second wave later that night that even was powerful enough to knock out the direct TV in my hotel room. And this is what I expect in South Florida for a thunderstorm in Maine. <laughs> We've had quite a bit of that this this past year. It was a pretty warm summer, humid days, and a lot of rain, actually, uh, the last few months. Yeah. So I went up to uh, to Brunswick and stayed the night there. Um, and then I was to start Maine Lighthouse Day. I started at first thing at 9 o'clock when the first one opened there at the um, the doubling point light in Aerosick. Uh, I was glad I got that one first thing in the morning because later that afternoon I had people sending me text messages about, did, did you fall into the river in, while you were up in Maine? And part of the, the boardwalk had apparently collapsed a few hours after I was there. Yeah, the, the footbridge out to the lighthouse. Yeah, I think there was something like 11 people who sustained injuries and that so it was uh it was i was really sorry to see that because i I know yeah. the people there are quite well the uh spencers who started the effort there to the friends group and then the the mcleans karen and dan mclean who are, are kind of running it now and living in the keeper's house they're really good people and i know obviously they wouldn't have had so many people uh, on there if they thought there was any danger of any kind but uh Maybe there was a piece of the, you know, the support that had rotted or whatever. I don't know if they're looking into what caused it, but I'm sure they'll rebuild it uh, better than it was. But at least no, there were no like life-threatening injuries or anything like that. But yeah, you were, you were fortunate that you weren't there actually at that time. And so I went down uh, from there to go see the range lights mm -hmm. uh, that are just down the river. And I, I was expecting I might get there a little early. And maybe they didn't get a chance to climb them, but you know they were short lights, so it wasn't going to be the end of the world. Uh, and I missed the turn, mm -hmm. and I stopped at a road that I thought was the right turn. And I'm like, wait, no, this isn't it either. And then a car is pulling out of that road, and they go, "Hey, are you looking for one of the lighthouses?" I'm like, yeah. yes, in fact, I'm looking for the range lights. Let's look. That's where we're headed. And it was the two volunteers coming early to open up the range lights. Well, it's very easy to miss that turn, which is actually more of a driveway. That's not a road. I would call it a driveway onto the property there at the range lights. But then the it's you can barely call them lighthouses. They're little light structures, the light towers. But I just love that scene. Those river lights along there, I think, are just very peaceful, usually. I mean, of course, they have storms sometimes, but generally very um, sort of idyllic, uh, peaceful places, I'd say. You know, those those two little range lights um, with that, the, the second one being kind of tucked back in a forest and surrounded on three sides by the trees. Um, it, it just looking at it from the front range light is just a very unique look that you, you just don't see at literally any other lighthouse. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, the range light, when you only have to shine in one direction, it works out just fine. And then from there, uh, I did get I went down to Squirrel Point to, to complete the Irosec trifecta. Um, mm -hmm. there, were, there were a lot of people parked there already when I got there about just after a little bit after 10 o'clock uh, at the trailhead. And by the time I left, the it was even more just a line of cars on both sides of the this little gravel road stretching for it seemed like a mile. Um, and it's it's a bit of a walk out there. It was a it is. nice little trail, a little muddy in spots. Uh, a couple of places I almost lost, lost my footing a little bit from the combination of uh, incline and mud um but it was a nice really nice spot to get out to and got to meet a couple of the guys from the south portland aids navigation team that were out there to have it open 
it's a nice walk, except if you do it in like July or August, there's a lot of mosquitoes there. I don't know if you experienced that. No mosquitoes, but, really, thankfully. Well, uh, I only experienced mosquitoes, I think, one place on the entire trip. And it was, um, it was, they were memorable. They were part of the memorable experience. We'll get to. <laughs> okay. Yeah. People like to say mosquitoes are the main state bird, but I think they say that in a few states. So what, how did Squirrel Point look, by the way? Uh, it looked all right, uh, and they also had the house open that they've kind of got the most of the inter the interiors seem like maybe like seventy five percent done, but enough that you can kind of walk around and and kind of see it bare bones, um, other than the basement. Um, and you also get a peek inside the boathouse, which was neat since it's the boathouse is on you know the incline there. Mm -hmm. It has a really odd look because it's it's very it's very low uh, inside, and then you've got the windows on the sides that are still kind of horizontal but then at a, at a weird angle to the rest of the mm -hmm. building so yeah. a little unique architecture there yeah yeah it's very very pretty there and i'm glad to see the the group there citizens for squirrel point is taking care of it because for for quite a while i was kind of in limbo and was neglected a bit um, and i i should mention that they're uh, raising funds right now uh, for replacing the footbridge across a little creek that you have to go across to get to Squirrel Point in there. Not only do they need a new, slightly taller bridge, but also one that's a little longer uh, mm -hmm. than the current bridge, because it was one of those things where, you know, it's, it's across the water, but there's still mud at both ends. So yeah, uh, I would certainly encourage anyone who, who likes going out there to see that lighthouse to support that. Yeah, check out Citizens for Squirrel Point on, online. Uh, so let's see, you, do you continue north from there? So from there, I had a, a drive all the way up to Rockland, um, got to Rockland Breakwater. And again, parking was a little hairy for that on the, the day. Uh, the weather was really nice on Main Lighthouse Day. It changed so totally from the, the previous couple of days. It was very it was very sunny still, but pleasant, mm -hmm. uh, even occasionally a little breeze. Um, the breakwater out there is fortunately a lot easier uh more level small without the gaps that you have going to spring ledge it's a lot uh, longer but yeah it is easier to walk on yeah yeah since it was a lot longer i was really thankful of that um but yeah there were a lot of people going out that breakwater uh, some people that were with dogs and and small children and things that i was just a little surprised they were taking out in the breakwater but yeah yeah uh, well, that one you, I could see that you could take uh, little kids or a dog. You never, you wouldn't, don't want to do that at Spring Point Ledge. The one at Spring Point is only nine hundred feet. The one at Rockland Breakwater is like seven eighths of a mile, but uh, still a million times easier to walk on. Uh, the best views of Rockland Breakwater Light, I think, are actually from the water. When you walk out there, you're kind of looking at the rear end of the building, but it's still it's a neat walk. I did it once at sunrise. I always remember that. That was nice. There's also some nice views I got the next morning in Rockland downtown, kind of by the, the marina area. Mm -hmm. The little park near the main lighthouse museum, that area, the yeah. buoys and stuff. Yeah, there's some, some nice views from that. Yeah. Uh, and you can also see there's a couple uh, fake lighthouses uh, from that park, too, with the yacht club and a nearby restaurant. There's the the um, Trade Winds Hotel that has a fake lighthouse built into it. And that might be one of the ones you're, you're talking about. Did you make it into the main lighthouse museum? I did get to. Oh well, so still on on main lighthouse day. Um, it was oh neat, yeah, that was a neat lighthouse. I hadn't really seen something with the, the tower built in. I knew they existed, but I hadn't been to one before. Um, so to see that and get to climb that, and it's really neat being on that up in that lighthouse uh, right there at the end of a breakwater. 
because you have all the boats going into the harbor going right by you. Um, mm -hmm. So it's about as close as most boats will ever get to a lighthouse, uh, just in their normal normal passing and coming and going. But that was a little extra uh, feature. Yeah. And yeah, then my... I had just enough time to drive around to Owl's Head. Mm -hmm. uh, I got in, I got there at 4.30 and they warned me that, you know, the, you know, based on the rate the line was moving, they couldn't guarantee I'd be able to get up there. Um, I was, I was basically the last person in line to, to get the climb in that day in mm -hmm. the little, little, little lighthouse, but just, um, Owl's Head was one of my, the ones I liked some of the best on my visit, that great vantage point there from the headland. But also just the um, the combination of the brick and the granite on that lighthouse is a little uh, unique from the other lighthouses I saw. Mm -hmm. And you got to meet uh, Bob Trapani, right, who's the director of the American Lighthouse Foundation, which has its uh, sent their main office there in the house. Yeah, I got to meet Bob yeah. while I was there and for the first time and chat with him a bit. And, um, mm -hmm. It's always nice to meet another person in the lighthouse community and someone who's been involved in a while and very similarly passionate about it. That, as we yeah. are. I'm sure he was a little distracted on main open lighthouse day since he's more than any one person. He runs the show on that day, coordinates all the different lighthouses and the pub publicity and all that. So he was pretty busy, but I know he was happy to meet you. And they have the little museum there in the keeper's house and get nice gift shop as well. Yeah. So. Uh, in fact, they, uh, one thing that surprised me about this is uh, they their lighthouse and the little maritime museum in Kittery that has the Boone Island lens. Uh, mm -hmm. Those were the only two places in the entire trip where I saw the, they were selling the t-shirt that has all of the main lighthouses on the back. I was expecting those to be everywhere, including the main lighthouse museum. And Interesting. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the museum in Kittery because we skipped over that. Uh, but that is one of the, uh, the best, the most, uh, there's no, there's a first order lens in Seguin light in Maine, but there's, uh, unless I'm forgetting something, there's no first order lenses on display in the state of Maine. There's a couple of second orders. There's uh, the second order from Boone Island at the Kittery Historical and Naval Museum, uh, which is certainly worth stopping in. And then you've got a second order at the Maine Lighthouse Museum from Petit Manan. But I was glad we had a chance to stop in the museum in Kittery there. Yeah, yeah that was definitely worth a little stop. Um, so I did get to see the Maine Lighthouse Museum. Uh, yeah. which is just a, a feast for a lighthouse nerd uh, just because of how many unusual lenses and other optics that were in there. Mm -hmm. um, one of them, and the, the, the way the label was placed, uh, it was hard to tell which thing it was actually referring to, but it was um, uh, listing one of the, I think it might have been Chance Brothers. It was a, it was a post-Trinell lens modern optic, but mm -hmm. it's been built by a, Fresnel lens manufacturing company. I'm like, now we're really starting to blur the lines of what defines a Fresnel lens. Um, was it a DCB type uh, aero beacon type light yeah, or something else? It was a smaller aero beacon. Yeah, uh, interesting. Was, I don't remember offhand. I haven't been there in a while. I can't remember offhand what that is. But, but it was great to see just so the the many unique lenses there. Petit Manon being one of them there with the the giant vertical uh, panels that rotated around the fixed lens. And then just seen a few other things, like they have an, uh, an example of one of the uh, pressurized kerosene tanks for an mm -hmm. for oil vapor lamp, which you don't see those very many places. Um, I'm sure the lighthouse service just started pitching them more than, than they didn't need them anymore. Um, uh, a Lyle gun, uh, one of the, the weights that would be used for rotating a lens they had on display there. Uh, 
Yeah. So I think just needs to see some of those things you don't see very much. Yeah. Also, a little exhibit on the history of the flying Santa to the lighthouses. I don't know if you caught that. It's just kind of in a corner, but it's a nice display. I was there for the unveiling of that because I'm involved with the flying Santa. So I'm glad that's there for people to see. Oh. Yeah, it's a really unique part of doing the lighthouse history with the flying Santa. Yeah. So let's see. So uh, did you do any more in the mid coast there? Uh, let's see. And I did get to see there's a really nice overlook uh near rockport for curtis island lighthouse yeah actually in camden i believe but i, I went down to that and, and just got a very lovely lovely view of the lighthouse the weather conditions were just right even though the the fog had started rolling in for the afternoon there oh, and i did get to down to marshall point lighthouse that day didn't get the climate but it's a, a very small one <laughs> yeah I've been there a million times, but I've never climbed it. I've I've missed. Uh, I was with a group one time. We were supposed to climb it, but the person who was uh, showing us around couldn't find the key, so that didn't quite work out. But uh, it's a beautiful spot. It's uh, another one of the really iconic ones, I think. Yeah, especially after Forest Gump made it. Yeah, it was, people know a lot of people know it as the Forest Gump Lighthouse. Yeah. But Marshall Point for with the it's a it's a unique lighthouse there with the just small but just an unusual design. Um, sitting out on that that two types of masonry cylinder. Um, but I was also just fascinated to learn about how it had been turned into a Lorraine station briefly in the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. Also, the granite oil house. I think it was the only granite oil house I saw out there. Everything else was, all the other oil houses I saw were uh, brick. Yeah, there's a few of those granite oil houses around, but not many. The vast majority are brick. Yeah. I, would have, I would have thought in Maine, I guess I just, would have thought there would have been more of them, but I guess granted yeah. it's expensive even if it's local. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice museum there in the Keeper's House. And I, I first visited Marshall Point in the 80s when it was all boarded up and abandoned. They had a the St. George Historical Society had a sign on the door, please help us restore this lighthouse. They're looking for donations and they've done a great job there. It's so nice to see that. Very nice job. Yeah. And anybody going to see uh, Marshall Point, make sure you stop in St. George at the fire station there. Uh, to see the lovely uh, metal architecture sculpture oh, yeah. of St. George fighting the dragon. Yeah, I used to stop. I Occasionally, I would bring tours up there when I was giving tours in my minivan, and I would always stop there for people to take pictures of that. That is so cool. I visited West Quaddy. Uh, wasn't Unfortunately, wasn't open that day, and they're, you know, they're closed for a little while with the tower while they fix some stair issues. But uh, it, was, it was neat to just you know, get to see a, one of the more iconic main lighthouses probably one of the more iconic in the country just because of that day mark yep um, the red and white stripes point. I've, so i've been to the southernmost point in key west and the easternmost point in maine so one of these days i'll get to the the northern and the western points maybe not the alaska one but did you get across to uh to campobello island from lubeck I across the campobello my first time ever leaving the united states uh, got my passport just in time for this trip uh, the Mudholland Point Lighthouse there was uh, neat to see, and then you get some nice views of it from Lubeck, so you can you don't have to go to the Canadian side to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was fascinated really by the sign they had there about the last Canadian lighthouse keeper, um, because I'm so used to the American lighthouses where you you live at the lighthouse, sometimes in the lighthouse, yes. and this, they're explaining how the last Canadian lighthouse keeper there for decades, he would live three miles away on the island and walk to the lighthouse, light it. Or turn it off in the morning, go across the river to work in Lubeck. Yeah, back. in a sardine plant, I believe. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. To relight it and walk back home and you know, especially <laughs> in the winter. Man, that that's some yeah. It's quite a feat. Well, most of the Canadian lighthouses had 
keeper's houses. Uh, you know, they lived in the houses or in some cases inside the lighthouses, the offshore ones, similar to this country. But that was a case where they just had a, a local uh, keeper commuting from his, his home. Uh, and yeah. the entire time I was in the down east, it was very foggy. Uh, a lot of lot of kind of rolling fog. You know, you look at it, and 15 minutes later, it's all still foggy, but it's a different kind of foggy. Yeah, well, they like to say that the Bay of Fundy is where fog is manufactured. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. Uh, so I did go all the way out to the east end there. Um, I, I knew about the tides. I, I was the tides worked out that I was able to go out there to see uh, East Body or, or Head Harbor Lighthouse. Uh, they didn't have it open. They did. They only had the one person um, at the ticket booth. That they didn't have a second person to open the lighthouse that day. Mm -hmm. uh, but that it wasn't my favorite lighthouse on the trip by any means. But it was certainly the most memorable one. Mm -hmm. So uh, just just to put this in picture for the people who who like me who either maybe have an idea of what it is and still don't realize what you're getting into. So you go on this headland where it's really foggy, and then you go down the, the metal ladder. And I knew about the gravel spit that you have to get across, back and across before the tide comes back in on the Bay of Fundy. But then mm -hmm. they didn't tell me about the hundred yards of kelp-covered rocks that you have to traverse, which doesn't really have a good trail. Yep. Then you go across the gravel spit, up the second ladder, which was a lot more rusty than the first one. Nice mud puddle on the trail at the top of that. But I'm like, okay, at least the, at the lighthouse in a moment. And then what, now there's a bridge over to the next headland. Mm -hmm. but almost at the lighthouse yeah. but then there's a third ladder back down to another <laughs> gravel spit that i didn't know about and then more rocks to traverse um and i got a nice photo of the lighthouse with its big red cross day mark looming out of the fog yep. and the uh the foghorn is honking and there's another foghorn somewhere off to the north and off to the south and they're in sequence so you get this honk 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 and then you get onto the island itself, and that's the one place that the mosquitoes were about, and they were big and they were hungry. Oh, uh, okay. And I'm like, I have walked into a horror movie. Uh, yeah, the mosquitoes like that kind of uh, kelp and stuff like that you're talking about. I think they tend to, I don't know, they must breed there. We're talking, uh, in case people missed it, we're talking about Head Harbor Light on Campobello Island, New Brunswick, which is accessible by bridge from Lubeck, Maine. And uh, Head Harbor Light, also known as East Quaddy, is kind of opposite West Quaddy on the, the main coast. But yeah, it's pretty memorable. I've been there a number of times. I've been there in the fog and in the, a stormy day in the rain where I didn't walk out at all. Only one time if I walked all the way out to the lighthouse, I was giving a woman from Australia a tour that day and we walked out there. And there were high school kids uh, staffing the lighthouse, giving tours out there, which I thought was fantastic. I mean, they, they were good. Do you get to the Roosevelt House on Campobello? I did take a tour at the Roosevelt House. They weren't very busy. It was, I actually get to be a tour of one. Mm. Um, it, it's a nice little, nice little fifteen-minute tour, and uh, the tour guide was correct. It is the most modest thirty-two-room house you'll ever see. <laughs> um, they also—I've been there twice for a thing they do on certain days, where they call it tea with Eleanor Roosevelt. They tell about her, her life, and they serve her favorite tea and cookies. And it's a really neat event. I've done that twice. Yeah, I, I, you're not the first person who's recommended that. It's uh, I didn't get to go to it myself, but it's certainly it's a very popular thing. It tends to book up every day. I think. So you were up at the the top of the main coast, way down east, as they say. So you then you had to drive back to Boston. <laughs> yeah, and well, 
and it's it, I didn't go back all in one go. Um, mm-hmm. so even even just driving back to you know a couple an hour or so up there, the roads in Maine were a surprise for me because turn lanes are not popular, and because they scrape the have to scrape so much snow up there, I assume they leave off the reflectors that I'm used to down here. Mm. So night driving, um, quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, I don't particularly like driving at, after dark uh, on a, in a lot of New England, actually. <laughs> but certainly on the northern Maine coast, I think it would be very dark. Yeah. Um, I spent the next day out on Mount Desert Island. I did get to see uh, a decent view from the loop road of Egg, Egg Harbor Rock Lighthouse. Egg, Egg Rock, Egg, yeah. Yeah. Um, very, very foggy, but a, a back enough to be able to see. In fact, when I was there at one point, the there was an excursion boat that was passing right by the island and the stop and bring people closer. It was very foggy on the island, very busy. I was it was the you know midweek, a week after Labor Day, but the tourist season was by no means over there. Yeah, well, I was just there in uh, late September and it was still super busy. Yeah, very. It reminded me of very much of. Gatlinburg and the Smokies, with but with the ocean and no, no pigeon forge to be the Kissimmee, the Bar Harbor. Mm. Yeah. Um, I did go down to see Bass Harbor Lighthouse, which I had to wait 15 minutes for the parking lot to just have a space open up. Even though all you do is you just look at the lighthouse, you can't go in anything. Yeah. Did you walk down the stairs and on the rocks that kind of get that side side view? Yeah. Yeah, it's another it's another one of the iconic ones, I think. But to get the view you tend to see on postcards, you got to walk a, a little bit out on precarious uh, rocks. <laughs> yeah, the and also the, the I think the trees over the years are starting to grow out a little bit more on that rock side. So it yeah. even, even requires a little more precarious than it used to. You know, yeah. twenty years ago to yeah. That view. That My days of doing that are over for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you're very, if you look just the right way, though, from the parking lot there at Bass Harbor, right by the fence, kind of near where the the other side that goes down right by the the other close up to the lighthouse and the fog bells there, mm-hmm. just the right spot, you've got a very nice view of the uh, the lantern at Bass Harbor and the lens in there. Mm-hmm. I got a nice photo from that vantage point of it. Yeah, it's got a active uh, fourth order Fresnel lens, and that's one of the ones I believe fairly recently, where it used to have a red cylinder around it. I believe that was taken away, and there's now a red LED inside the the lens. Right, same thing at Nubble Light, same thing at Portsmouth Harbor with the green light. So that's the the way things are going with the old Fresnel lenses. They're they're putting uh, colored LEDs, uh, whatever's needed, inside the the lenses, which is cool. And I did get to see just barely, uh, I, I found probably the only vantage point in, I think it's Southwest Harbor or what? There's so many harbors there. I couldn't uh, well, yeah. It was a bear Island you're bear talking Island. about out, yeah. out there on by a little fishing pier. And you know, it's the trees are so tall on the Island. It's like, you can see the lantern poking above it, but the only thing you really have a good view of is the boathouse. Yeah. Um, yeah. You really need to be out in a boat to have a, a really good view of Bear Island. Yeah. It's really very picturesque too. But I would, um, from this, aside from the lighthouses, I would, from this experience, I would say anybody looking to visit um, Acadia and Bar Harbor, I would mm-hmm. say, you know, just go there for like, do it like you would go to Gatlinburg, go there for, you know, several days, stay in town and just get up at the crack of dawn to try to beat the crowds and then uh, enjoy the other things in the afternoon on the carriage roads or something where it's less busy. 
Yeah, I would recommend May or early June or I was going to say October, but now I think October is a lot busier than it used to be. So maybe even later October into early November even. Yeah. Um, I did see just on the Lot Lighthouse, um, the Abbey Museum there mm -hmm. in downtown was uh, interesting about the the history of the uh, Wabanaki Indians of Maine. Um, also, just to see how this museum over time has transformed from someone's personal collection into uh, working directly with the tribe and almost has the feel. It's a history museum that feels almost like an art museum. Yeah, I've been there. It's been a long time, but it's a neat little museum. Yeah. So then you headed uh, so down the after, coast from there. After that, mm -hmm. continuing on my way back, uh, I got to see Dice Head. Castine, yeah. Yeah, and the Castine, which uh, I found out the houses there are as expensive as the ones down here in Palm Beach County. Mm -hmm. uh, so I can certainly understand them uh, using the, the keeper's house there for, you know, their poor uh, preschool teacher. It was, uh, I think at one time, if I remember correctly, uh, Castine was considered the richest town in America. Uh, with, wow. It's all, sea, you know, it's mostly sea captain's houses. So that was a long time ago, but it was uh, up there. Yeah. Um, it was it was neat to see the lighthouse, uh, but also the um, uh, two other interesting things. If you find the right place in town, there's an old British earthwork there from the Revolution, which the parade ground of it is now a baseball diamond and a soccer field. I just thought that was an interesting adaptive reuse of an old fortification. And of course, the uh, main Maritime Academy is right, right there yeah. too. Um, yeah. Apparently, it doubles the population of the town when it's in session. Mm -hmm. And then there's also at least one house in the town uh, that has uh, a turret built on the side of it. Looks like a windmill, complete with the blades, and didn't look like it was functional, but it was a unique bit of architecture. Uh, I did stop at Fort Knox. I did not go up the 400-foot observation tower, even if it has an elevator. Um, yeah. But I did see the fort itself, which is the granite fortification, just having seen so many masonry and yeah. uh, forts over the years. It was neat to see the the granite, the, the unique structure. Yeah, I was there last year. It's a great it's a great fort. It's a big, it's a big fort. Yeah. And, and if you go back there, do the observatory in the uh, Penobscot Narrows Bridge. That is, I believe, the the tallest uh, observatory built into a bridge in the country. That's you know relatively new. They just built that, rebuilt that bridge maybe twenty or so years ago. Um, but it's uh, on a clear day. It's an amazing view from up there. Yeah, yeah. and probably that was also one of the reasons it was still kind of foggy. Mm -hmm. um, so it would have impacted the view a bit. Um, yeah. And they have, they have a nice interpretive thing there at the the abutment from the old original bridge talking about the, the old bridge and the new bridge and everything. So, mm -hmm. and I just, I stopped for lunch in Camden on the way back at a place called Bell the Cat, which I just thought was a hilarious name for a, a deli. <laughs> I know the name, but I've never been been in there. And then I did get down to Pemaquid uh, yeah. point uh, just in time for the, the massive fog bank to roll through that day. And the seas by this point had turned really stormy. I don't know if it was the the approaching tropical storm that was still a couple of days out or what, but it was certainly starting starting to churn up there. Um, got to climb that one. I actually got the you mentioned the LEDs that they're putting in all the trail now. Mm -hmm. So I yep. got to see that one uh, up like inside and see how it'll actually look up close. Um, also, just their unique little fog signal tower there, where they had the weight like they would use to turn a lighthouse, but to drive the striking hammer on the the fog signal. Yeah. Uh, and also the 35-pound lobster on display in there. Uh-huh, in the museum, yeah. I think it'd take my arm off. 
<laughs> yeah, the museum uh, is it's a, it's a it's a kind of a homey little museum there. They call it the Fisherman's Museum in the Keeper's House, run by the town. And then, so that wrapped up that day, and then my last real day in Maine, I went to the Maine Maritime Museum in Bath, mm -hmm. which is a great museum. Uh, really, really well done. It's definitely one of those places you know I go and I'm I'm taking notes on you know future site improvements here back in Florida. Um, copy some of their ideas they really love the cape elizabeth lens display it's such a yep. unique, the original franken lens i suppose yeah it's um, an unusual lens it's kind of truncated but it's a nice nice exhibit they built around it yeah yeah it's certainly worth certainly a highlight of, of the visit but just all of the you know, I, I spent three hours there and if i had <laughs> been on a time crunch i could have easily stayed for another hour or two to see more things yeah um, the, the full-scale monument, it's not the complete hall, but the, the outline of the, the largest wooden schooner ever built. Yep. Um, I was really amused by the, the, the model of the Carroll Deering being built on that property back in 1919 because it's, um, I used to be really interested in you know, the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle and things like that. So you know, being, being there and seeing the model of one of the most famous Bermuda Triangle ghost ships was uh, amusing. Uh, and then just a great view of the the Bath Ironworks and seeing they've got another destroyer in the dry dock getting ready to go and um, yeah, stopped into the little exhibit they have there about the uh, the Bath Ironworks, which is very. It's always interesting when corporations uh, produce exhibits that are clearly produced by their marketing department, but just the the video to see how they build these things, these destroyers in three parts, and then pull them out on you know things look these crawlers that almost move the space shuttle and then weld them together and add the superstructure and floating the dry dock out there and just letting the ship go that way instead of sliding down the ways like they used to with mm -hmm. the wooden ships it was all just very very fascinating part of modern shipbuilding that i'd never never thought about I'm, i haven't seen that exhibit i should check that out but the bath ironworks i believe is the largest employer in the state of maine actually run by general dynamics yeah and also just to see some of the, um, they've got some interesting waterfront exhibits too down in, in the town and downtown, nice little downtown. Um, yeah. And just seeing the the incredible number of wooden shipworks that used to be there in the 1800s. Now it's, it's just Bath. Um, yeah. Bath was known as the city of ships, still is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, seeing Dublin Point, you know, uh, lighthouse from the the dock there at the maritime museum it's always neat to you know like i said earlier in the trip look at look at where you're going to be and then look at where you've been from once you get there mm -hmm. uh, and uh there's some neat exhibits too us uh, neat signage uh, in the downtown bath area where they you know the river is and it's just the different aspects of how the river was you know so important for the business and the livelihoods mm -hmm. and the environment and you know, yeah, the Kennebec. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the Kennebec River we're talking about. Right? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Just interpreting it that way and, you know, working for an organization up here that, you know, Locks Actually River Historical Society, the river is defines our region, is in our name. It, it's seeing another area that how they interpret the centrality of the river to their history was was really neat. Most of the people listening to you have never worked at a historical uh, society or a museum, but I'd say that once you do, um, you look at other museums and interpretive things a whole new way and just you start seeing it through a completely different lens than you do mm -hmm. as just a casual, casual tourist. 
Well, I know you're not a casual tourist. I know that you know, being a historian, you're into a lot of lot of detail, which is which is great. And I did get to see one final lighthouse on my way out of Maine, um, mm-hmm. the top of Ag- Mount Agamentus, I think. Uh, Agamenticus, Agamenticus in York, in New York. Yeah, they just recently fixed up the the parking lots and things there. Uh, yeah. it, all the fog from the down east was gone. It was a wonderfully clear day. You can't see Nedic too well because of the trees and the the houses and things. Um, but I got a nice view, of, a nice photo of Boone Island, 13 miles away out there at the sea. You must have a good zoom. <laughs> I could, I, you know, I, I swear by Canon PowerShot, um, un, unpaid promotion there. I've, I, for, a, for a little point and shoot zoom camera, um, I've, I've really enjoyed a decade with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love Boone Island. I always tell people it's not one of your prettier lighthouses, but it's one of the more interesting ones being on a pile of granite uh, about seven miles from the nearest point on the mainland. Yeah, yeah, just that, that, that cold, stark granite tower on this cold, dark rock. I'm just like, man, what a, imagine being a lighthouse keeper there. Celia Thaxter, the New Hampshire writer who was the daughter of a keeper in the Isles of Shoals, in one of her uh, books called Boone Island, the forlornest place that could be imagined. So I always think of that description, which is pretty pretty accurate, I think. Yeah. So then was it back to Boston from there? Yeah, yeah wrapped it up from there uh, with a, a short time in, in the Boston area and flying out just ahead of the tropical storm. Um, ended up seeing over 20 lighthouses, uh, probably just at all, almost all of them you could either visit or see from land. Um, I'll have to come mm-hmm. back on one of your cruises in the future to, to see more of them. Yeah, yeah, we just did the cruise out of Bar Harbor that saw 21 lighthouses and some overlap with what you saw, but a bunch of offshore lighthouses that you you haven't seen. So maybe you'll get up here to do, I hope we do at least one of those, maybe a couple of those next year. I don't know for sure yet, but maybe you can make it up for, for one of those sometime. So uh, overall, uh, your impression of your first uh, trip to Maine? It was a very enjoyable trip. I enjoyed seeing the lighthouses and seeing a very different state. Um, and yeah. I only saw, you know, probably about 5% of it. It's Maine is a, a big state and it's got a lot of coast and it's got even more inland. So, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's bigger than the rest of New England put together. People don't realize what a big state it is, but a lot of inland Maine is just wilderness still. There's not a whole lot. You go inland, there's there's a few little towns, but there's not not a lot there. Most of the population is on the coast and the southern part of the coast. You go up north past Acadia National Park, there's not a whole lot of people living up there. Even, yeah. even just getting past the, um, the, the Brunswick Bath area, it really felt like I was almost going into another country. Not just, you know, everything, everything, just how, not just how rural it was compared, for the most part, compared to um, the rest of it, but just mo- other, other than Dunkin' Donuts and occasional McDonald's, all the familiar things of that I'm used to from the rest of the country had all had all been left behind. Yeah, Rockland and Camden are pretty substantial communities, but um, but there's not uh, no other big towns around there. And of all the places that I've gone in my tra- in my vacation travels, it's certainly Maine is just the most local local restaurants and little motor lodges and um, that just as a the tourist experience is, is very different on in Maine than it is in almost any other state unless you're really 
try hard. One of the slogans of Maine is it's the way life should be. Uh, so I used to do uh, these local cruises out of Kittery with a captain uh, on a little tour boat out of Kittery, and I would help him narrate sometimes. And we'd cross the border uh, from New Hampshire into Maine. Of course, I live in New Hampshire, and he liked to look at me and say, now we're in Maine, the way life should be, <laughs> you know, like he was aiming that at me. But it is, it's a great state. I love, I love Maine. I love the Maine coast so much. So I'm glad you got to experience it. Uh, the time has flown by here. We've talked for over 45 minutes. It's hard to believe, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's uh, it's fun talking with you because, like I said, you pay so much attention to to detail. You're not a casual tourist, which I I, I love. But uh, I, in addition to looking at all the details, I think you had a lot of fun too, which is great. Anyway, thanks for talking me with me today, Josh, and we'll be doing it again soon, I'm sure. You've been on the podcast a few times, and I'm sure there'll be many more times. So thanks so much. Thank you, and thank you, Jeremy, for the tour and all you do. You can learn more about Josh Liller's home base at Jupiter Inlet Lighthouse in Florida by visiting jupiterlighthouse.org. Josh also has a Facebook page at facebook.com slash Josh Liller History. This episode was so much fun to do. I felt like I was seeing our New England lighthouses through new eyes. I hope these interviews might inspire people to go out and visit lighthouses or simply to visit interesting places near where they live. You don't have to be a world traveler to have adventures. You just need curiosity and a love of exploration. Find the best hiking trails near your home. Take a tour of a historic house or visit a local history museum. And if you have a local lighthouse, maybe get involved as a volunteer so you can help others discover its history. American author John Steinbeck once said, quote, people don't take trips, trips take people, unquote. Next week, we'll hear another interview I recorded on my recent road trip in Virginia and North Carolina about the old Cape Henry Lighthouse, one of the oldest in the country. With that, to all our regular listeners and our new ones, thanks so much for listening and keep a good light. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.